Welcome back to another episode of the Real Spill Podcast. We have somewhat of a packed house. We want to thank Coach Trent Johnson for coming out last week, but we're going to continue bringing on guests. Today we have a special one in Niasha Sarju. Niasha, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. And, of course, we can't forget the man that's looking at me like, hey, man, um, I'm here with you too. What's up? We got my man Donald Watts. D, go ahead and speak on the mic, man. Hey, I'm here. I'm in the building. I'm excited uh, to have Niasha here, uh, one of my trainees, young ladies we met a long time ago. Uh, the Real Spill podcast is in effect. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have my guy Chris in the building too. Uh, as always, we've been doing it, but we can't forget to appreciate each other. Uh, as we go through this process. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, the shows are getting better and better. Uh, the guests are getting better and better, and uh, we have the star today, Niasa Sarju. Yes, the star indeed, Niasa Sarju. But before we jump into that star, we just want to talk a little bit about who's sponsoring this program and how we get it afloat. That's Watts Basketball at wattsbasketball.com. We've been doing so good. I haven't said WWW in a long time. We're going to keep that tradition going. So just go to wattsbasketball.com, Game Changer for Life, and at this program with Watts, you have a chance to learn and develop skills on and off the court. Confidence, focus, determination, all of that. I'm sure Niasha can attest to that. Yeah, definitely. I've I've had some really great experiences working with Watts Basketball. That's what we need to hear there. So, yeah, it's WattsBasketball.com. Be sure to go on there now and check this out. 20% off all fall camps. For a limited time, get an unprecedented 20% off winter basketball camps. Defend your discount. I like that. I'm guessing the cameraman Lars has something to do with that. Appreciate that, Lars. Check you out, man. So, WattsBasketball.com. Be sure to check that out. Everything you want to know about getting your son or daughter involved in basketball, Donald got you, all right? And then game changer for life. You can't forget that. But, like I said, we do have a special guest, Niasha Sarju. Niasha. Yes. How are you? Are you Are you good or what? I'm doing great. Today's been a fun day. I got to uh, go out to uh, Watts Basketball Camp today in uh, West Seattle and get to meet some of the kids there. And I already know uh, the work Coach Donald's doing with them and developing them both as basketball players, but especially I was really impressed with um, the things they knew about life and about how you develop goals and how you um, really progress as a, as a person. And these were young kids. So that was really awesome to see. What was the question you asked? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> no, what was the question you asked? You said, who knows what a growth mindset is, mm. right? And the kid, oh. The, and the kid, uh-oh, that's my live video. This is when the old, when the old man does. Uh, old man Watts. When old man Watts tries to get on the social, it goes bad. That's that nickname wasn't this, too bad. That's why we had the social media show last week. It's bad stuff. No. Um, asked, who knows the growth mindset? And the kid must have been a, in fourth grade or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe. There were like 10, 15 kids that raised their hands all at once. And I was like, whoa, right. that, who am I going to pick on? I thought, oh, nobody's going to know what this is. And, and it, it's a new term in general. To me, I only even learned what it was a few years ago when I was in college. So I was already like, wow, you know, they're, they're getting this development around um, not just basketball, but what's really important about challenging yourself and um, persevering. He said yeah. so that was his definition he was talking about when you have something, an obstacle. He's like, if you do, if you struggle today. Yeah. Right. And you or you you don't get something right today, like really. And he said, like persevering. So until you get it right, like tomorrow, 
That's growth mindset. Yeah. <laughs> we both were like, whoa. I was like, oh, man. Okay, well, my job's done here. Y'all are good. That's incredible. Uh, wow. But that was really nah, a cool moment. Like eight yeah. years, you know, nine years old. Wow. Yeah, so that's you done super changing cool. lives early. Super cool. I can't take all the credit, man. <laughs> I'm blessed to be around, uh, you know, great people and to have families that have, you know, like ideas and mindsets for what they want to accomplish for their kids. And to, you know, to 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 bring them to me, to trust me uh, with their kids and, and for the families that buy in and the kids that buy in, like incredible things can happen as a testament uh, to this young lady sitting next to me, as a testament to the young man sitting across from me. Um, just a quick story. We, we've been talking. We've been hanging out. We did the camp. She shared with the kids. She was incredible. Everybody, I'm excited for everybody on the show to get a chance to meet her uh, today. But um, we did the camp, we we did lunch, uh, and we've been we've had the opportunity to really catch up and, and, and talk and share uh, throughout the day, and it's been a, a really cool experience. But I was sharing with her this Sunday. I went to a wedding. Uh, I went to a wedding of a young man who 14 years ago came into my life to train in basketball. Um, and it being 14 years ago, and he's 28 years old, that means he's one year older than what my kids are now when we started training. And they hired me as a trainer, right, to play on a team I was coaching, but also to train him in basketball. And I think neither one of us anticipated that we would become family for life. And then 14 years later, I would be at his wedding, right, like celebrating the biggest day of his life with him. I've seen him graduate from college. I've seen him get his master's degree from Yale. And then on Sunday I was sitting at his wedding and I had a, a note that just, I mean, I was in tears. I had sunglasses on so my kids couldn't see me, you know, <laughs> getting to that place. But, you know, I had a note, like a handwritten note from him that said uh, how much he appreciated me being there to share that day with him and how much of an impact I had on his life. Um, teaching them work ethic, teaching them discipline, all this thing. And this is a kid who ultimately did not end up playing Division I college basketball like what we were preparing him to do. He had some Division I offers that were very low Division I offers, but things were changing along the process. But even though that part of it was disappointing, um, you know, like I said, he's got an MBA from Yale. He's graduated from USC. Uh, through all the changes in his life and the things that he's gone through, he's always worked hard. And to, to know that on that special day, he took time to write a note to me to say thank you for being there and to accredit me with that. I mean, that's not even – it's a it's our program, it's our curriculum, but you can't plan that stuff. You don't know what kids are going to face. You don't know what they're going to be up against. Uh, but when they do go through things and you get to see them stand there and graduate and be proud and sit in front of a group of uh, 60 kids and, and articulate – like, grow, like she had a curriculum for the kids when she came in, like a 15-minute curriculum that was so on point, it was ridiculous. And, and that makes me just ecstatic and proud um, of the work that I do, right, but also of the kids. And, and it's a testament to the parents, ultimately, who also have the biggest role in, in helping these kids get to where they need to get to. So much of it is parental support and getting them around the right people. Wow. I want to get some tears, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Are you soft, boy? Oh, soft. shoot. Here we go. But we want to talk to Niyasha because she is our special guest. And I just want to ask, I know you went to Garfield High School. 
the work ethic that you got there and that you got with Donald and that you took with you when you went to Yale. But talk about the experience, the growth that you had to endure from Garfield to one of the top universities in the country in Yale University. Talk about that experience that you went through. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I think it's it started really young in terms of, like Donald was saying, the way that my parents supported me and set me up um, for success in many different areas. Uh, we were talking today with Donald to take it back a few more years about when I was doing the 360 training that Donald had, and I was the only girl there, and it was a bunch of boys that were all a year or two years older than me, bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic, and I'm not even, you know, that fast of a, of a female athlete in general. So I was I was way lower on that spectrum. But when I came in there, it really didn't matter, and it didn't matter to him in terms of, you know, how he was helping me grow my game. And so I felt like, you know, I'm not as good as any of these kids, but it was an opportunity to be amongst people that were going to make me better and be coached by somebody who cared for everybody that was in that environment. And so for me, that was, you know, a really a challenge. I, I was kind of nervous always going to it because, you know, there were guys there and I like it, it was like it was exciting, but also like um, thinking about it like, oh, man, I know, you know, my stuff might get blocked. But it was an opportunity to figure out how to maneuver around that um, or do something different or use another thing that I had. And so I think in terms of learning on not just, you know, how to get good at one thing, but how to adjust yourself and uh, adjust to different circumstances. I feel like that started really young. Um, at Garfield, I had a great opportunity, uh, both academically and athletically, um, to be on a really good team there for a few years. Um, when I first got into Garfield, the team was pretty strong. Uh, and then also to take really challenging classes. And so um, high school wasn't actually easy for me, though, um, especially not academically. Uh, I actually struggled with something called narcolepsy, which we might talk about a bit later. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but it, it caused me to fall asleep pretty much in any situation. Um, and it meant I had to adapt and find new strategies for studying, like walking or working out in between reading something, um, constantly like finding ways to stimulate myself, whether it was like eating or like talking out loud or whatever it might, might be. And so I had to kind of like push through that, even though I didn't know that that was something I was dealing with. I just knew that I, I fell asleep really easily, um, especially when I was trying to read or write or drive or anything. Um, and so that was, you know, a challenge that I had to kind of overcome without even knowing it. But um, as a high school student athlete, I think really the biggest thing I had to do was prioritize. Um, and so, you know, I didn't really... I had a lot of friends. I'm really social. I love being around my friends, but I, I knew what I had to get done in order to do other things, and I knew what was most important to me. So if it came down to a situation of, like, am I going to go kick it after school for a few hours or am I going to go see my math teacher and, you know, get some extra help on something I was struggling with, it was always kind of like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go um, put in those extra hours or get that extra support and, yeah, my friends will be there. They'll still be my friends. But, you know, I, I don't need to just kick it and sit sit around with them outside for two hours when I could be being productive. And so I think figuring out how to prioritize in terms of basketball and school really set me up um, to have the opportunity I did to go to Yale. Um, I was saying to Donald earlier, like, it was never something I expected or even thought about or even wanted. Um, I think I put myself in a position to, for it to be possible, and when it became possible – I realized, wow, that's a really incredible opportunity. And it was something that I chose to take. Um, 
but it was because of the steps prior, way before junior year, sophomore year, of setting myself up to be in that position. Um, and I also really, at Garfield, you know, it, it's a diverse school, but academically sometimes it felt like, you know, I was one of the only students of color in my classes. And so I think I, ha I felt like I had something to prove and I really wanted to work and be a, a role model for others and also show myself that anything was possible. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that. that's kind of, I feel like, part of the story of, of how I got to Yale. Um, and then to speak on what you were asking about, what was that transition like and what, you know, it was hard, honestly. Uh, it was, I got diagnosed with this narcolepsy my freshman year because I was really, really struggling um, in the classroom. And my, my dean had told me like, you need to go to the doctor and see what's up. And I was struggling basketball, staying awake in film, whatever it was. Um, and so it was really hard to transition both academically and athletically. But I think that, you know, like recognizing, okay, it's really hard right now, but I have these supports around me and I know that I can improve. Um, I think that knowledge that something better was possible and I needed to just stay with it really helped me. Mm. Um, even though it was hard and a lot of times I'd wake up and be like, whoa, what am I doing here and how am I going to, you know, what, like, how am I going to get where I want to be? But I think it was a step at a time and knowing that, you know, I've worked through things and I have people who are there to support me and I just have to stay focused and keep doing what I can. Um, so, yeah. There are a couple things there that are big, right, and, and that I want to make sure that, you know, any young person who aspires to be a college student athlete, uh, any you know, parent who's working with young people that aspire to be a student athlete. And one of them was that, like, it was never her goal or is anything that she could even imagine to go to a university like Yale University, but that she set herself up for that opportunity by hitting smaller goals. And she didn't touch on exactly what her goal was, but uh, earlier she said it, and it was, it was pretty positive. I mean, pretty powerful, I think. You know, going into Garfield High School, you said that there had never been. You want to finish? Yeah, there. I had found out. I think sometime my freshman year that there hadn't been a, a black valedictorian at Garfield in at least fifteen years, and I was like, "That's crazy," because I know a lot of black people that go here, and I know a lot of really capable people. And why not get straight A's? And so I set that goal from day one, and it was like, it was hard. Like there were a lot of times where I was like, "Oh man, I don't know." If I'm going to notch this. And I think that even if I hadn't, I would have still strived to do as well as I could. Thankfully, I did achieve that goal of getting a four out, getting straight A's and being a valedictorian there. Um, but I really felt like that, setting that from day one, like I didn't come wait till my junior year to say, okay, let me get on track. It was like, no, I came in and was like, this is, a, this is what I want to do and I'm going to bust my butt to get there. Um, and that kept, you know, me focused and kept you know, school and academics at the forefront of what, what I was doing. Was that a goal of yours personally? Just Or was that something that, like, was suggested to you by your parents? Or was it just something that you, Niasha Sarju, as an eighth grader, as a seventh grader, said, you know what, this is something that I want to do and I'm going to do? It was definitely a personal goal. I don't think my parents, like, academics and academic success was very important to my family, but I never felt like they, they didn't care. They didn't even really care necessarily that I reached that goal they wanted me to for myself but it wasn't like they just wanted me to apply myself the best I could and to to take you know the opportunities I had seriously so there was never any pressure even of teachers or of parents um it was really just myself and I don't know 
what sparked that. I think it was just like a desire to show that as a black athlete, I could both be a really successful student and a really successful athlete. I think a lot of times I feel like people want to box you in and I just really didn't want to be boxed in. I wanted my teammates, my friends and my classmates. Um, You know, when I got into classes my sophomore year, I remember in my first AP class and we had a group, we had to get partners for a group project and I couldn't for the life of me get anybody in my class to pair up with me. And it was a really very interesting. Yeah, it was a really like <laughs> kind of shocking experience in a way. And also it just was sobering. It was like, okay, I know I'm smart. I know I'm capable. But these people look at me and honestly, I felt like no one said this, but I felt like it was like she's the token black kid in the class. And I just felt like it was like, oh, hey, you want to work together? No, sorry, I'm working with somebody else, even if like they didn't have a partner yet. And so. <laughs> I kind of got this chip on my shoulder of like, listen, I'm going to like show you guys. Yeah, I play basketball, but like I can throw down in the classroom. And so for me, it almost became like just like showing and proving to myself that, you know, I have this capacity that maybe people don't look at me and automatically think. But I think it's even bigger than the capacity I had in terms of basketball, which might be the first thing people think when they look at me. Um, And so, yeah, I feel like that really just I didn't have to cultivate that that desire was already in me, but what I did have to do was set myself up so that I could reach that goal. Not just, I had the passion and desire, but how am I going to get there? And I think that I had to be pretty intentional from a young age about how I wanted to, you know, prioritize what was important to me. And so, I mean, you get an opportunity to to spend a little time with Nyasha and you see why, why she was able to get into a situation like Yale University. Like I said, the important thing about it is it it, it wasn't, and, and for me as a trainer, and I want young people to understand as parents, if you really embrace the process and if you really master the process and you you don't know what, you're, what the opportunity is going to be, but you'll know that it'll be great. And oftentimes it's greater than you can expect, right, at yeah. the end of the day. Like totally. When you're, you're hoping to go to college, you're hoping to be recruited, Right. Uh, by schools, I'm sure you're recruited by a lot of schools, and mm-hmm. then the the call or the the letter from Yale University comes in, right? What like in that moment, what do you think? Because a lot of us, you know, I, I visited, mm-hmm. and a lot of us don't know it. We hear about it, yeah. Um, we don't think of it as accessible, and I'm not even just talking right. about black people. I'm just talking about people in general, yeah. But a lot of us have no idea what that experience is like. So can you, you know, talk to us about, hey, okay, the first phone call or whatever when it when it first became like, oh, this is a reality. Yeah. And then at one point did you take it serious? Right. And then when you went there, like not like we already talked about when you got to school there or yeah. whatever, but when you actually first stepped foot on campus, yeah. what were those situations like? Right, yeah, I could totally speak to that. So it's really funny because – um, when I was getting recruited, Princeton was the top Ivy League women's team and it was really the only Ivy League school that I had any, like, maybe aspirations of going to. Not even really. I was just like, oh, Princeton's, like, the, if you go to an Ivy League right now as a basketball player, like, that's where you want to be. So I had talked to some coaches at Princeton and got letters from them and was kind of like, oh, yeah, Princeton, Princeton. And the funny thing was I'd gotten stuff from Yale, but I really didn't. It was like, not like, I didn't really care. Um, but I actually got really close with the assistant coach who was recruiting me 
And we just had a lot of great conversations. And I started to like, she started to just really sell me on Yale. And um, I had, I went to dinner, a dinner with a family friend who actually went to Yale. And I don't know if I knew that prior to this. And when I told her, yeah, I've been talking to coaches from Yale, she was like, oh my gosh, you have to go there. And was just like really excited. And I, she wanted to like get lunch with me another day. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, whoa. <laughs> um, but it was, it was like, I had never even really thought about, even with regards to Princeton, it was, it was one of those things, maybe like Stanford, like it was one of those things where I thought like that would be really cool, but I, I hadn't, you know, it wasn't on the level of like, this is where I'm going to go or this is what I want to do. Um, and, and so that was kind of transformational for me in terms of talking to this family friend. And I remember just kind of thinking and talking to one of my teammates the summer before I even started getting recruited by Yale and one of my teammates was getting recruited by Yale and I was like, yeah, you don't need to go there. All those like rich, white, nerdy, stuck up people. Like what what could that offer? And I remember thinking about that conversation and she didn't end up going there. But and then but looking at it. Yeah, and I did. <laughs> and and I was kind of like, wow, I was now, so see, off. About well, here's here's my the thing. I'm going to cut it. you off real yeah, quick. Go Good thing she didn't tweet it. <laughs> oh. Right. No, that's that, we that's talk. We're talking about social, social media, media and the yeah. impact of social media, and she had those thoughts. And she, but oh, it was yeah. between her and a friend, or yeah. even she kept it to herself, or maybe her and a friend, but yeah. she didn't tweet it. And right. that's what a lot of had had she tweeted it, we might not be having this conversation. <laughs> we might not yeah, be having no, this conversation. Yeah, and, and it wasn't, you know, it, it sounded like yeah, don't tweet that guy. <laughs> um, but but also, I think it was more so. It was funny and ironic to me that in my mind, I had this perception of Yale that I think, you know, is maybe common to West Coasters that have never, or Yale or any Ivy League school that have never encountered it other than through like a movie or something. And so it was very fair that in my mind, that's what I thought. And, you know, when I got the chance to go to Yale for my official visit, I actually went and was hoping that I didn't like it because I was like, I really don't want to move this far away from home. (laughs) And I don't really want to be on the East Coast because it is, it's six, it's a six hour flight to New Mm. York. And another couple hours on a train to yeah, New Haven, which is where Yale is. So it's a trek <laughs> to get there from Seattle. And I had this California dream in my mind. I'm going to go to a school in California, play basketball. And so I was kind of hoping I was kind of hoping I didn't like it. Um, but that didn't happen. I got there and I really loved it. And I think, you know, what stuck out to me so much was when I met my future teammates who were doing such incredible things on campus. Uh, one of my teammates led like the student athlete council she's also involved in a lot of community service another one of my teammates was studying to be a dentist like was pre-med and wanted to be a dentist um you know people were just like doing so much that like had nothing to do with basketball but they were really passionate about it and at the same time they loved to play on the team and so for me it was just like i was and and these women that i'm thinking of and that the one that i stayed with was a black woman and so for me seeing her and like where she's from North Carolina another one's from New York another teammate you know is from California and so like seeing these people um just really inspired me and I was like wow this is a challenge and like these are women that I want to be around and I want to be like and so it just shattered my view of of what (laughs) Yale was I was like whoa this place like people were cool they were nice they were fun they like were personable they were engaged they liked many different things it wasn't just school it wasn't just basketball and it wasn't just whatever other activities they were involved in it was like a really cool experience to see the way that people balance that 
and were able to engage um, with with multiple things. So for me, that was like, wow, I don't know if I could get that anywhere else. I really don't think there are many places that could have. Um, and it was just an inspiring feeling. Like I felt really like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like this is where I want to be. Um, and it was totally not what I, I didn't want to want to feel that. And I, I think my parents felt the same way. So, right. yeah. Man. You got anything? I want to go to Yale now. <laughs> hey, Washington. It's, a, visit. it's Wa- a beautiful place. It's, it's, like, it's like this. Washington State. Oh, man. Oh, Donald. Yale don't University. Do that. Thank, thank you, Niasha. <laughs> don't I, do I that. You know that. what? A college education, applying yourself, however it is, is really, hey, really the goal. I know that, but I'm a Husky and he's a Cougar, so we got to rock. I've been, fired, <laughs> I've been fired three or four times at this point, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, yo, I, yo, I'll say this. You know, if, if my kids get the opportunity to go to no, nah, I'm not going to say that. See, I, nah, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to say that I publicly. Knew. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Don't I'm going to stop. It, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. No, but I'm going to kind of throw this question at Donald and then he's going to throw it to you because okay. he's actually trained young women and he's been around the sport longer than I've been alive. So, in that instance, Donald, I know you. Old oh, man, old man, okay. no, yeah, you got old jokes today. <laughs> oh my, it wasn't even a joke. Yeah. Yasha, you are encouraging this, not even old jokes. The thing is, overcoming what society thinks about young women in athletics. And I, like I said, I know Donald has coached and been around young women. I have never trained a young woman in basketball, and if I did, I don't know what I would do. So, Donald, I guess that question is thrown to you, and then you can kind of go back to it with Niyash. So, so the the I, I train young women uh, and the, obviously when you know you train train yourself or Marianne Santucci or CC West or you know Sydney Rock, like ultra competitive mm-hmm. you know young ladies um, oftentimes when I'm training younger younger girls that aren't quite to that phase uh, of, of competitiveness uh, I have a young daughter who I can see like she's very physically gifted but at times, she is in conflict with using her physical gifts right. and, and actually right. being competitive. Right. Uh, how did you, and I'm assuming you overcame that because of everything that you've accomplished and we, you know, you're highly competitive. You go walk into campus at Garfield and you say, man, nobody's done this in 15 years. I want to do it. Right. That's a competitor. Right. Like, that's a warrior spirit. Yeah. Um, you get on the court, you're going for a ball, they're going for a ball. So you you know, the nature, I tell people this all the time, the nature of sports is adversarial, right? right? Like you want to score and there's five people on the court that don't want you to score. Right, right. How, you know, are you going to get that done? Yeah. So for young people, for young girls, for, you know, a parent who, who's, who has a young girl who aspires to be uh, a competitive athlete in a sport like ours that's a contact sport, what kind of advice do you have for young people who are struggling to find that, to be okay with that competitive spirit? Yeah. Oftentimes I see girls and they're apologizing mm. before they make a mistake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they haven't even made a mistake yet. And they're like, hey, sorry. Yeah. And I'm like, as a coach, I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Like, it's yeah. okay. Like, go for it. Try, fail, go again. Like, yeah. knock her down, pick her up, but right. then knock her down again. You know, right. like, that's all right. Like. Yeah. How, how do you how do you balance or how do you overcome that, you know, and, and for me, game changers in life, it's important because it also goes to females in the corporate world. You know, like yeah. you don't want I don't want any of my daughter. I don't want any of young ladies feeling like they need to not be as good as they are. Right. 
so somebody else feels good about it. How do you overcome yeah. that? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think my nature is definitely more confident, and I'm, I, I don't know how much I personally had an issue or struggled to sort of, like, Push, push back. I know you that. were in the gym with, um, with boys when you were but, younger trying to but kill But it definitely <laughs> was something that you faced. Like, you know, we were talking earlier and it was like a lot of people just say, okay, you're a girl. Like, I maybe never played basketball in 20 years, but I think I can still beat you one on one. And it's kind of an insult because you obviously put in all this work. Right. And if you were a dude in the same position, they would never say that to you. So there is this skin, this sort of thick skin that you have to develop around like, People are going to say things that are just socialized to say mm-hmm. and not letting that get to you. I think from a, a parental um, aspect or a coach's aspect, it's really how we how we talk to like to girls and boys and kind of keeping that consistent across the board. So I think, you know, when when you see a girl that's speaking out or, you know, stepping up and saying giving an opinion, it's. It's not being like, oh, maybe not now. It's being like, yeah, no, give me more. Like, right. That you have a voice, or you know, you wanna you wanna play. I remember. Well, I don't remember this, but my dad told me that when I was little and I had like my own little hoop, and I wanted to go play with Zeke and his friends or something. I don't know how old I was, and my dad was like, "Okay, knee, like you know, you maybe don't want to come play because you you might get hurt or whatever." And I was like, you know, in little kid words, like "f that." I don't know what I said, <laughs> but like, forget that, dad, and I'm gonna come play. And I just went at it i was like you're not gonna tell me that you know that i can't that i can't do this like i don't like being told no anyways by my parents so surely don't tell me that when it comes to basketball which i cultivated a love for from such a young age and i think it's really like as parents as educators as coaches it's believing from the beginning and using language that encourages young girls to um step outside that comfort zone and to be more assertive I think we don't have as much of an issue with boys because they're kind of brought up in a society that says, be a man, do this, take what you want. And I and I honestly think maybe we do less of that. We should do less of that with boys and more of that with girls. And it starts with just how you talk to them and how you um, how you approach teaching opportunities where you see something like a girl saying sorry before doing anything wrong. No, don't be sorry. Go do that. Do that again. That's OK. You know own it you know right scream it out i did that yeah i did that yeah i failed yeah i fell it's okay right. you know and sort of changing from a young age that dialogue and i think i was just fortunate to be raised by two parents that that really did encourage me to um kind of challenge the status quo and speak up and challenge myself um and i think we have to just you know cultivate that in our families and cultivate that in our schools and in our teams um and i really do feel fortunate i feel like i did grow up seeing a lot of strong women and women in sports and not in sports that um, sort of did what they felt like moved to do, whether that was worked really hard in basketball or school or, you know, activism or whatever it was. And so I think that that gave me the confidence to know that it was okay and it was encouraged and it was right for me to also put myself in those situations. That's awesome. I know one of the things that I'm going to do, that we're going to do, we're going to continue to talk about, have this conversation uh, that would be really helpful for young ladies in this community is to get you out in front of them. Yeah. To get you to play with them, get you to talk to them, get them to know you. Uh, I feel like you have the ability to really uh, inspire. And so we're going to work on some programs together going yeah. forward. So, but you mentioned your parents um, in, in, you know, in the, in the world of competitive basketball, in the world of AAU basketball, in the world of, 
people like pushing their kids to get scholarships and all of that stuff. Um, one, what role did your parents play, right? Like, and not just like your parents play as a whole, but you know, was the role different for your mother and your father? And then two, you know, kind of, you know, and, and are you still living at home yeah. right now? Okay, uh-huh. well, you got to censor how much of that you tell because you're still under their roof. <laughs> <laughs> What was good and bad about it, yeah. right? Like, what was good and bad about And then, so that's that's the first question. And then, uh, two, what advice would you have for a father, mother who's listening to the show that has a young girl, young male in competitive sports, but particularly for the women out here, um, what advice would you give to a parent to help them help their daughters have a positive experience and get the most out of playing sports uh, from your experience and what you learned. Definitely. I think, I think my parents, you know, I'm going to thank them. Thank you, parents. Mom and dad. <laughs> I think they did. Mr. and Mrs. Um, Sarju. Yeah. <laughs> and they're beautiful people. I'll say that too, man. Like known them for a long time, obviously worked with your brother, worked with you. Uh, and, and, you know, they've been people that when I see them, I just, they put a smile on my face and, you know, also know that we can have some in-depth conversations about yeah. things, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, somebody who I can look up to uh, as pillars in this community. That's yeah. Super cool. But let me know. let you get yeah. back. Let me let you get back. And Mama Sarju rented a car for me, so I appreciate that. That was <laughs> awesome. It was right before I quit. She came in, put a smile on my face. Haven't you seen didn't it. quit. You didn't quit. Right before you moved on to other things. Okay, right before. The last thing you quit was basketball when I (laughs) ran your butt out the gym. All right. The the floor is yours. I got to see my Oh, man, we can probably get on that topic. That'd be interesting for you guys. (laughs) It's all about you today, girl. (laughs) No worries. Um, So, We don't quit, man. We don't quit. Nothing. You're right. We move on to better things. There we go. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's true. No, no, you're good. You're good. I don't apologize, Donald. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Um, So I think that one thing that my parents did really well is they, with me and my brothers, um, but I'll speak specifically about me, they knew that I loved basketball and I had this desire for it. And so I think that they set me up with opportunities to, to grow that. And so what that looked like, I was training with Donald. I trained with other people as well. But they put me in positions where they knew I would be challenged, and um, they invested in that. And I felt like – but they also required that I was too investing in it. And so it wasn't just going to training. It was what are you doing when there's nobody around to actually, you know, what what are you learning in training? And so how are you applying that? What are you practicing when you're not in training? And I think – and my dad, you know, sometimes that caused Tiff of like, okay, dad, like let me, you know. But (laughs) – we worked together and he was encouraging and also, you know, instilled in me that it's more than just when you show up to practice. It is about what you do when there's nobody there and how you intentionally work and set goals and and hold yourself to those when there's nobody around. Um, And so, but the other thing about my parents was that they really were pretty hands off when it came to the college process and recruiting. I think they were available if I needed them, but they didn't fill out any letters for me. That was all me. They didn't, send any film in for me. That was me. They didn't talk to the coaches. That was me. And so, you know, there are definitely, I had teammates, you know, later on that like whose parents did a lot of that for them and everyone has a different, you know, path. But for me, I felt like playing basketball was what I wanted to do. And if I didn't do it in college, my parents wouldn't care. And so I think that's really important because you can kind of get caught up in like, okay, my kid really loves this, but I also really love this for them too. And I think that's sometimes where you see burnout and where you see, 
sort of clashes between parents and, and, and kids or girls um, because it's like, this is my dream. This isn't your dream. So let me have that dream. Um, hold me accountable for, you know, working towards that dream. But don't become so overbearing that I, it's not my dream and now it's just yours. And so I guess that's my advice to parents is to be a support and to have expectations like, hey, if I'm going to invest in this, this and this, then I need you to invest in it, too. But I'm not going to just be in your ear every day like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you doing this? Because then it takes away that love and that that uh, sort of a word for it is like intrinsic or autonomous motivation, which is like self-determined and comes from just a love for something rather than sort of the controlled motivation, which is like doing something because somebody is expecting you to do it and you feel some ties to that person. And so you're doing it. You're motivated by that control and that's never sustainable. Um, so yeah, that that's really my, my biggest advice is to provide that support, but you know, not be overbearing and also allow your child to take ownership of that process. Like if you really want to do something, you have to invest in it yourself. It can't just be your parents telling you how to invest. And so I thought that was really good. Yeah, and, and that was, I mean, superb, supreme. And the other thing about that is that you don't, like, people can look at, you know, all that you've accomplished, right? Like, you you, you know, you love basketball. You get an opportunity to go to Yale playing basketball. You graduate from Yale playing basketball. We haven't talked about this. But then you go to Ireland. You get your master's degree in Ireland playing basketball. And people can look at that. Oh, Niasha Sarsdu, she did this, this, and this. This was her process. Boom, boom, boom. We got to do the same thing, right. right? But ultimately, what you're talking about is if if a, if if it becomes the parent's dream and their goal, right. you can never really be as successful yeah. as, the, as the child if you're fulfilling somebody else's, right? right? So, right. Um, and, and us as parents, we want our kids to be successful. Yeah. There's a really happy medium between what you're talking about, which is being supportive and 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 holding them accountable as opposed to just taking over and pushing, right. pushing, pushing right right and and ultimately, like I mean, I mean just it's just phenomenal uh, words that you said, and I hope that that our listening audience really understands. Um, I have one last question for you, and okay. then we'll we'll wrap. Uh, you you touched on um, you know narcolepsy. You deal with some autoimmune stuff. Uh, what is it? Compartment, Compartment syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Um, there are a lot, a lot of people uh, in the world. I, I had my challenges. You know, with chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, fibromyalgia. I figured out I had that when I was in college. Right. You know, was able to you know do some great things as far as I'm concerned. I had a you know great career, great experience. It started off really rocky. Right. When I didn't know what was going on and. There are people who deal with things like what we deal with. First, how did you, you know, a little bit more specific about some of the things you did to manage it. If yeah. somebody's out there listening is going through the same thing. Um, so some of the things that, that you did uh, to manage it. And then, you know, how did you find the energy to keep going? There, there, I, I talk to people all the time and read about people who have chronic fatigue syndrome that don't get out of bed. Right. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and part of what what keeps you going, what keeps you battling, what keeps you fighting? Yeah. So I think I think something I learned pretty early was to ask for support and ask for help. And so when I had got to when I got to Yale and I was really struggling uh, being in lecture classes, falling asleep, trying to like balance basketball and school and literally just like 
not being able to do my homework, just having to sleep like 10 hours a night (laughs) and just being like, whoa, there's nothing, like, I don't know what to do. So instead of being prideful, like, I'm going to figure this out, I chose to reach out and I reached out to my deans and my coaches and there was a collaborative effort that led to this diagnosis. And so narcolepsy, for those of you who don't know, it's um it's a neurological disorder where you are unable to regulate your sleep and wake cycles. And so basically there's like a lack of something in your brain which regulates that. And so you need uh you need something to help regulate. And there's a lot there's a lot of research still being done about how to treat it. And so at the moment, you know, there's some medication. And so I thankfully was able to get some medication through the university um, to help balance that. But I also had to do some things with my lifestyle in terms of, you know, trying to avoid sugars during the day, which would make, you know, me more tired. Um, Trying to get in a nap in the middle of the day was really huge for me and only 20 minutes, but setting that time aside so that I could be kind of re-energized. Working out, obviously I had to do that a lot. So, but in the mornings was good because it got me awake and going for the day. Um, so thinking about like what are some lifestyle changes I can make and also just being really honest with myself around what I could do and how I could be healthy in that environment. And then with my compartment syndrome, which unfortunately took a bit longer, I was, you know, shin splints was kind of diagnosed. It wasn't until my junior year that the, the they kind of figured out this was what was going on. And so um, as a result of that, I had to kind of change a lot of the ways that I was, con- you know, doing conditioning. We started doing like pool workouts and all kinds of different stuff to like get me off, you know, limit the time I was pounding on the court. And it was hard because there, you know, I would be biking during conditioning and watching my team and wanting to be with them doing what they were doing. But knowing that in order to play and contribute on the court, there were some changes that had to be made. And so it took extra work. It took extra time coming in. Uh, I had to go in for treatment every single day and I started doing my own treatment in some aspects. Because I got so used to that regiment, knew how I needed to massage and what I needed to do. Um, so it's you know, it's prioritizing what's important. And for me, playing basketball all four years and you know doing that with my team was really important. And so yeah, I I had to make some adjustments um, in terms of my lifestyle and how I was going to go about my day so that I could um, be as ready to play. Um, and able to contribute uh, to my team. So, yeah. And, I mean, when you think about all of this, you know, that she's dealing with, struggling with or whatever, and some of the things, lessons she learned early in life, and then, you know, she's humble, but what ended up being third leading scorer in Ivy League your senior year, second team all-conference, all of that with dealing with all of those other things along with, you know, being an excellent student or whatever. It's just a great phenomenal uh, inspirational story i'm blessed to have been a part of your life and been a part of your development and excited about um you know continuing to build our relationship uh going forward and just and just watching you continue to grow it's been an honor uh, and a pleasure just knowing you in life has been an honor and pleasure uh having you here on the show before we get out of here what's next what 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 does niasha sarju look forward to next yeah so i'm kind of in a spot right now donald and talked about this i'm not i'm not sure what's next in terms of you know what's the next journey but i think that i know that i desire to be challenged and to grow um and so putting myself in 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 circumstances where i i'm not comfortable is definitely key um and exploring what that might look like so i'm finishing my 
uh, degree in sports psychology. My master's degree. I actually have my dissertation presentation on Friday. So send let's me go. Good, let's send go. Me good thoughts. Um, but then I'm just going to be figuring out, you know, where where are my talents? Where are my what's my passion right now? And I'm I'm definitely exploring that because it is a transition and transitioning from sport and and school to something else is new to me. Um, and so I'm trying to approach that intentionally by meeting with people and you know figuring out what I where I want to you know put my energy next. But I definitely am so appreciative of you, Donald, and just like the way that I've learned from you as a player. I think I gained a lot. I've gained I gained a lot of confidence around the different ways that I can do things and how I can utilize my strengths. Not just thinking about how do you develop this specific skill, but how do you you know, position your body or, you know, I don't know. It was just the small nuances and kind of learning the game. And then also a lot of our time, you know, as me growing up and me in college has been spent having conversations that don't even revolve around basketball, but around around life and around developing as a person. And so I appreciate that role model and that mentor that you've been to me. And I know and I can tell from being in that camp with the kids today that you've been to them as well and to so many young people, Chris, my brother, um, whoever it might be. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to keep supporting and, and working with you in any way that I can um, and helping out, you know, influence and, and um, be a role model for some young girls, especially as Pay they it forward. Yeah, Pay for it sure. Forward. There you go. Well, Niasha, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to say? Anything. Go Bulldogs. I like that. <laughs> there we go. Well, this has been another episode of the Real Spill Podcast. We want to thank Niasa Sarju for coming out and giving a lot of knowledge, thought, and just inspiration to young ones listening. We appreciate it. Donald, anything you want to say before we show? No, nah, I just I, hey, thank you for listening to the Real Spill. I want to say thank you to Niasha. All of our guests that have been through here. We continue to work and grow and uh, make this a, 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 a positive show where we can entertain you, educate you, inspire you. And I feel like today was just a, a great example of, uh, you know, just with with the things going on in the world uh, today with, you know, Korea. And, I mean, just it's just it, it gives me great hope and joy. You know, we're listening to the news on the way in here and, and <laughs> things can can feel real, real, you know, down and, and dim or whatever. But when you meet young people like I have the opportunity to be around and work with, it really makes you feel good. It keeps you young. Oh, he gave me the wink. Oh, <laughs> but Niasha, you have so, a Twitter, right? No, I do not. No? Okay. Well, oh. we'll we'll share it on Facebook for all your family okay. and friends. Don't worry yeah, about that. Instagram? It's all good. We got D Watts on Twitter, so she's, she's on Insta. Oh. I'm on Insta. Shout that out real quick so we can have people follow you there. Oh, my Insta, it's Book of Nisa, which is N I S A Book of Yeah. Long story. I won't share it here. <laughs> we are the real spill for a reason <laughs> that's been another episode we want to thank you guys for listening we'll catch you next week we're almost here for football season so stay tuned we got a special one coming all right we out out, out. <laughs>